Hi, welcome to Pineapple Reels. I'm your host, Nia. And on today's episode, I'll be talking about I'm Not Okay With This, which debuted on Netflix on February 26, 2020. Stay tuned. So I know this mo- this uh, TV show came out a little over two years ago, and I remember when it came out, I didn't watch it at the time. I just had a lot of other stuff I was watching and doing. Is I just didn't watch it. It's been in my queue since uh, since that t- since uh, twenty twenty, and so I finally had some time, um, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and watch it. I watched episode one. I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot, and then I hopped on IMDb because I wanted to. Um, the 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 young boy who plays the little brother the main character to me he looks like a boy version of chloe grace moretz so i was like oh is that is that her her brother and i looked it up completely different guy not related um but that's when i found out that the show was canceled after just one season and i was like well this seems like a good show i wonder why it was canceled and Netflix is having this problem as well as I feel like a lot of shows or movies in general, it's like the curse of the 2020s is what I've been calling it, is, you know, Netflix is doing a lot of shows that only last one season and they're canceled and they're good shows. They have uh, good feedback from fans, but I guess they want instant uh, gratification, instant success like I guess if you're not bringing in numbers like Stranger Things or you're not bringing in numbers like um, uh, any of these like brand new movies that are doing really well, they don't want to continue the season and they don't want to give it a sequel. And it's just it's just really annoying at this point where I feel like if that's your thing or you're not sure, do it like how HBO does a limited series and that's why I prefer HBO shows because HBO tells you all up front like hey this is going to be a limited series or we're going to do two seasons of the show because the story wraps up now if I'm not okay with this it's actually based on a comic and the comic is I mean an extremely short read I read it I finished the show last night and then I wanted to know the, the source material for the comic went back and read the comic I read the comic in maybe 10 minutes it, it's like very very quick and um, there's a lot of differences in the comic versus the show. And, you know, my uh, one of my friends, they're like, I wonder why they changed so much stuff. I said, well, it doesn't make sense to me because it doesn't, it, the, the change that they did, there, there's no purpose for it. So I wanted to a little, like, dive in a little bit about this TV show, talk about the subject matter, um, and try to figure out why Netflix canceled such an awesome show that they greenlit for season two and then retracted their statement saying that they're going to put it out for season two. Okay, I'm Not Okay with the stars Sophia Lillis as Sydney Novak. And Sydney is a teenage girl navigating the trials and tribulations of high school while dealing with the complexities of her family, her budding sexuality, and mysterious superpowers just beginning to awaken deep within her. That is via IMDb as well, just to let you know. Now, um, basically what it's about is Sydney, she is 17 years old. She just moved to this town uh, well, she was a new kid in town, and when she was new, she met this girl named Dina. They become really close friends. In her mind, Dina's, like, so cool. She's so surprised. Dina wants to be her friend, but 
Dina seems like a very sweet, lighthearted girl. Dina dates this jock asshole sorts named Brad. And, you know, Sydney's not really really a fan of her boyfriend. Um, Sydney lives with her mother and her younger brother, uh, Liam. And their father has since passed as he died from suicide, but he didn't leave a note. So the family is unsure or unclear of his reason. Um, So, yeah, I I enjoy the show and... Basically, starting out, uh, Sydney's still grieving her father's death. It's been nearly a year since it's happened. Uh, the relationship with her mo- between her and her mother, it's definitely worn. Uh, they speak to each other very crass. Uh, I would say I understand Sydney speaking to her mom like that because she's a teenager, first of all. So she's already moody and angsty on top of she just lost her they just they lost her father they lost her they lost her patriarch that's a lot too and I feel like the mother is um you know either still going through the motions or there's even one part where her is gonna get in an argument and she's like you know Sydney well I'm still here he's the one that's gone you know in so in so many words and that hurts Sydney's feelings but the mom is correct in what she is saying. It's like, well, I'm not the one that left our family. Your father did. He left me here by myself with two kids. And I'm trying to figure it out to the best of my ability and take care of us financially. That that must be very hard on the mom. And we see that. The mom works at a, she's a waitress at a diner. And it seems like money is not the best for them. There are times where Sydney goes to the, to the uh, store to get groceries and she doesn't have enough money to get everything or her and her brother for dinner they just get hot dogs from the gas station as the mom's always always taking shifts and her little brother Liam he's pretty awesome and the boy that plays him his uh sorry yeah the boy who plays her brother he's pretty awesome his name is Aiden I am going to mess up this name what Jack his song Hmm. I don't and there's not a there's not a way to pronounce this on his IMD page. Sometimes they'll give you details about that of like how to say their name. Um he's been he's been in a few things, nothing super big. This seems like his uh first big role that we're seeing. I do look forward to seeing more from him. Looking at his credits, it looks like he was in this movie called Slasher that was on the Shutter Network. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that we do see this young man and other things because he did such a good job in his role. Um, I liked Liam as a little brother. He wasn't annoying. If anything, he would just want to be so helpful, understanding, and it must be hard for him of losing his dad, the only guy around and having to deal with both his sister's emotions and his mom and how they are being towards each other. Um, so I like that they, they were very, like, I, I felt the characters in the show were very authentic. It didn't really feel, like, super-duper cheesy. And even sometimes the things that her mom would say to her, I'm like, whoa, you said it to your daughter. But I get it. I understand you're grieving. Sometimes, you know, well, not sometimes. Grief isn't pretty. Grief is ugly. You say things that you might regret. You say things about remorse or care. It's just you're speaking without a filter sometimes. But um, back to Sydney. So Sydney is going through some changes and she's not really understanding what's going on. At, at first, she's trying to like, you know, tell herself like, well, it's not possible. You know, I'm doing this thing. So she's writing in a journal because the guidance counselor at her school, whom she sees 20 minutes a day, 
gave her a journal was like hey I think you should like you know write down your feelings just express yourself and she does you know that's part of the therapy and at one point she says you know I get I can I think I get so angry I, I think I can move things with my mind you know but that's crazy right so there's a scene where her and Dina are in the diner and they're talking chatting it up having a good time and um Brad comes in and Brad just kind of ruins the mood and Brad's not even really receptive or really nice to Sid. He's not flat out mean to her. However, it doesn't seem like he really goes out his way to be overtly nice to her. And um, she looks at him and she gives him a, a nosebleed and she she shocks herself like, whoa, what just happened? And, uh, you know, no one knows anything different. Even even Sydney, she doesn't even understand what's going on. And she writes it again in her journal, like, whoa, I think, I think, I think I gave Brad a nosebleed, but that's, that's impossible. So my thing is with the show, um, comparing it to the source material, because there is source material. And whenever you have a TV, um, a comic turned TV show or movie, we're going to go back to that source material. And, um... I really feel like if they would have left it alone and did it exactly as a source material, wouldn't have been a problem, right? However, they deviated it in the comic. Dina is a year old, uh, a year or so older than Sid. Um, Dina is uh, a senior in school. Her and Brad are already together when she when she meets uh, Sydney. Um, even like there's a there's a scene in the show where uh, Sydney and Dina they're at a party, they come to this party together. Brad had broke his uh, had broke his leg or or he had injured, so he was staying at home. I don't know why I said broke his leg, but he had got injured, so he's gonna stay at home. And uh, Sid ends up kissing Dina, and Dina's she's very surprised and taken aback, but she's not rude about it. She's not aggressive. Versus the comic, and I believe Dina has a different name in the comic, but in the comic. She's very, like, abrupt of, like, you should go home. And she's like, uh, okay, and, and walks off. Um, I don't, like, again, I don't know why they changed the material, but, um, yeah, they, they changed it up quite a, quite a bit. Um, also, in the comic, Dina's very aware that she is bisexual. She says that she likes, she likes both, and sometimes she can get off sexually by thinking about boys or girls. Versus a TV show, there's a, a character in the show named Stanley Barber. And Stanley's this awesome guy, lives down the street from Sydney. He sells weed. He's kind of kind of like aloof, kind of dorky or kind of quirky. And he's okay with that. He's very comfortable in his own skin. He's not shy about who he is. And he sells weed to like a lot of people in the town. And um, he sees Sid one day. They end, up, they end up talking and then they end up hanging out. And... Um, well, one day they end up having sex and that's both of them losing their virginities. And for Stanley, it's like this really big thing. He really likes it, you know, in his mind. Okay, yeah, we're like, you know, gonna like start this relationship or something deeper than a friendship. Whereas Sid's kind of like, yeah, that happened. Um, I'm kind of good. And in her mind, she's like, oh, now I don't, I'm not attracted to boys or I'm not attracted to Stanley in particular. But she doesn't let Stanley know that. Um, again, don't know why they changed the source material. I think it would be very on trend to have a bisexual character who's a teenager questioning their sexuality. That makes a lot of sense versus, uh, you know, her having sex with a boy and then be like, yeah, I don't like men. And then <laughs> thinking, oh, yeah, I think I like my friend Dina. Oh, no, it's kind of choppy. 
So the night that Sid kissed Dita, um, you know, being rejected by being rejected by her friend, throws her off, and she ends up leaving and walking off to go home. She uh, it's pouring outside. She and there's like a forested area, and she's walking, and there's a road that she crosses, but she's not looking, and she's running, and the car, I think the car hits her because there's a dent in the car, but we don't. I don't know. The, and I've seen this, this part twice. And I'm so confused on if the car hit her, but it couldn't hurt her. Or if there was an object in the road that the car hit. But um, anyway, the car almost hit her. She keeps on running, runs off. And then she's in the in the middle of a forest and she screams, fuck. And it, she makes a clearing. All the trees fall down around her with like the shock wave or the sound wave. Well, in the car was Stanley. So Stanley had got the car when he realized that he almost hit Sid. So he gets at the car to try to see if she's okay. And when she turns around and she says that, there's Stanley just standing there in shock, like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? And, um, you know, she's like, you got a promise you don't tell anybody? He's like, I, oh, I promise, you know, like, okay, you know. And um, the next day at school, he's like, hey, we got to talk about what happened. And she's like, I don't want to talk. And she's avoided him all day until he's like, hey, we're going to talk about what happened. And, you know, he's like, you have, like, superpowers. And Stanley's very excited about this. However, she's not. Sid's not. She's not comfortable with it. You know, typical teen fa- fashion. But Stanley does convince her to, like, let him train her. Be her her guru of sorts. And uh, from him trying to help her and tra- trial and error, trial and error... He figures out, hey, it must be whenever she she figures out, oh, you know, it, it, it only happens whenever I'm angry or sad or embarrassed. So these big bouts of emotion and he's able to channel that and tell her things to, to get her riled up. And one of the things that he says is about her father, you know, like your father, your own father didn't want to be around y'all. He killed himself and he didn't even leave a letter. And it made her so angry that they're at a bowling alley where he works at. And he she launches two bowling balls at him and it misses him. But, you know, he's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah, we got it. And she's like, I could have killed you. And she's angry because of the emotion that he evoked out of her and what he had to say to get her there. And though he's like, hey, like, it's not like that. She's so upset and walks off um, to it. Now, later on, there's a scene where uh, they're in school and uh, they're all taking a, they're all taking a test. And it's Stanley, it's Sid, it's Brad and it's Dina. They're all in the same class. And uh, Brad asks Dina to co- to shoot off her test. Reluctantly, Dina says yes, and the teacher catches them. They both get and they both get a failing grade for the test, and they both get detention. Well, Sid, who has still not really spoken to Dina since said kissing incident, um, she she gets upset and she at the teacher and she's like, "Are you kidding me? Like, that's not fair. Dina's been studying so much for this test, and you know Brad screwed it up for her." And the teacher's like, okay, well, you can have detention too. And then Stanley just throws all, all this stuff off his desk because he needs to talk to Sydney and he wants to get detention as well to do it. So he gets detention. So this is definitely, whenever they cut to the uh, detention scene, it is definitely like Breakfast Club. And before they even cut to the scene, that's exactly what I was thinking. And uh, it's just like, we're missing a fifth person. You know, we're missing like the freak girl outcast type of type of trope. And uh, we we get it, you know, or I thought that was Sid, but then we get someone else, you know, where is uh, 
what is, I don't remember her name. Amber, I think is her name. The character Amber. And Amber is like Judd, I think his name is Judd Nelson's Judd Nelson, the guy who was uh, basically the burnout in Breakfast Club. So we have the the freak who is Sid. Then we have, you know, the little, pr- the prissy, you know, pretty little popular girl who can do no wrong and Dina. And then we have Brad as a jock. And then we have Stanley as a geek. And then we have newcomer Amber as just like, you know, the rebels at a cause. Just wanting to fuck shit up because probably her parents don't care. No one's caring about her whereabouts. This girl's like everywhere and then some. So in this scene, in this, in this segment, we learn that... um Brad has uh, cheated on Dina with Amber. And we learned that through Sid. Sid actually walks in on Brad and uh, Amber speaking. And Brad's like, hey, let's not talk about it. You know, you're, you're fucking shit up for me. He's like, oh, you want your pretty little princess to find out what she's been doing? You know, she's getting a rise out of this. Sid overhears it and he's like, hey, don't tell Dina. We just had, you know, we just had a pact. You know, we made everything good. And fuck a pack you're not my friend Dina's my friend and she's this is not what she says but obviously you know your, your loyalty lies with your friend you don't really care for your friend's partner in that way especially if he's doing something like that so obviously she tells Dina and Dina's upset her and Brad break up and Brad blames Sid Brad even says like this is your fault you know this is all on you basically you don't want you don't want Dina's happiness, but he won't take accountability for his actions. That's like a, a character trope of Brad's. He doesn't take accountability for his actions. Where we saw whenever the cheating scene happened, he should have told the teacher, no, I was the one that cheated on the test. Like I made her do it or I did it. She didn't have a choice, but he didn't. He didn't even say anything when the situation happened. Um, also in this Breakfast Club scene, we also get that... Um, Sid's upset and she walks off, not upset, but she walks off to clear her head. She goes to the library and she feels this presence following her and she can't quite describe it, but it's like a dark cloud. And when she further investigates, she ends up uh, destroying the library and asking for his heart, for his help. And he's like, you want me to help you put all this back? Cause uh, the, the bookshelves are, are all fallen and all the books are, you know, uh, on the floor and she points to the camera. She's like, no, that. And she wants Stanley to help her get the video cam footage showing <laughs> what she just did to the library. And Stanley's like, yeah, that's fine. It's just, uh, uh, that's in the principal's office. And so it. I love Breakfast Club. I love uh, those movies, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Weird Science. That was my shit. Though I'm not an 80s baby, I'm a 90s baby. And... Um, yeah, they definitely kind of, basically they based the whole episode on uh on that movie. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And anyway, she gets to help Adina to help them uh get the keys from the janitor, get the the video camera footage and not see it. Now, Dina has no idea that Sid has these powers. Sid hasn't been able to tell her. She just either hasn't found the time or just doesn't think it's the right time to tell Dina about said power. So to get Dina to help her, she just lies and says, hey, you know, um, me and Stanley had sex in the library and I need the video because, you know, we hooked up in the library type of thing. And that's why Dina helps her. Um, but yeah, so 
Dina and Sid still haven't had their, you know, conversation about what happened. And that kind of like drags on for a while. It doesn't really get resolved until the dance, until their homecoming dance. So in between that, Sid's walking home one day and it's, she doesn't see it, but she's walking home at, at night. She's walking home at night and there is a figure of this of a man. We only see him from behind. Looks like he's in a trench coat. And uh, as the camera pans back, you see that he just like dissipates. He just turns into like dust and dissipates. And it's like, hmm, I wonder what that is. So when I saw that, I thought, okay, either this is her father or this is um, someone who knows of her abilities or can help her with her abilities. But for in my mind, it was her dad. It just made sense of this is her father. And the the deeper it got into the season, the more I, I thought, Huh, I wonder, did her dad have powers? Did he know about her powers? And and that's why he killed himself. Maybe he couldn't handle it. I don't know, but it got my it got my wheels turning. And the sad part about this entire season is that it's only seven episodes. I feel like shows are usually either eight, ten, or twelve. And the episodes are pretty quick too. They're not that they're not that long. I wish that they were longer just so that we could get a little bit more key information that we need, especially to have wrapped us all up in one season. Netflix, there was no need to drag this show on more than a season. It could have all been wrapped up and done, or y'all could have made this a movie and it could have been done. So Sid's father, when he killed himself, he did it in the uh, the basement of the family's home. And since his death, no one has one in there. There was, a, there was one day that uh, Sid's brother wanted to do a, a puzzle while she was watching him, but the puzzle was in the basement. And Sid went down there to get it, but she ended up, you know, just leaving the puzzle down there. It just kind of got, kind of got stuck. But um, later on in the in the season, she uh goes down there to the basement just to find something. She's like, he had to have left something. She's just so adamant about he couldn't have left us just like that. Why would he? Why did? Why wouldn't he leave anything? So she's searching the basement to see if there's anything uh there because he spent a lot of time in there, and she finds nothing. She's distraught and um she looks and she sees this metal tin underneath a shelf she pulls it out and it's locked and she's able to for the first time really hone her powers and purposely do something which is break the lock and she breaks the lock gets into the the box and it's uh military papers and documents and his dog tags and his uh his marine uniform and she is confused she's like what is all this and i was confused at her being i'm a military kid so i was like why are you confused by dog tags like dog tags mean one thing military just what branch were they in and turns out that sid and her brother had no idea that her dad ever was in the military it was when sid was a baby so obviously her brother has no knowledge and then you know she was too young to remember well while she's going through all this and she's confused her mom comes in and she's like what are you doing and earlier, her mom had told Sid, you know, when they they had got an argument, she's like, you know what, Sid, you there are things about your father that you don't know, you know what I mean, and I I wish you did know because this, this would just make more sense. And so when she got him in the bat in the basement, she told Sid, hey, if you if you want to know about your father, I will I will tell you about your father, but it's just not the best information. You might see him differently. Who knows. She tells Sid basically, hey, your dad was in the Marines. I didn't want him to do it, but he did it. And um, 
he, you know, it really affected him. He did some tours overseas. And well, while he was overseas one time, uh, there was this incident that happened and everyone died. His friends, uh, fellow soldiers around him, civilians, children, and it really fucked him up. And they couldn't figure out why he was the only survivor. And, you know, your dad had uh, had a hard time with it. So basically the dad had PTSD and couldn't really, um, wasn't really, be, wasn't coping well with what was happening. He'd have these like really dark periods. But the mom said, you know, you don't really remember that or you don't, I guess you never saw it. But like, I had to go to that and I dealt with it. Now in the comic, and this is why I don't understand why they didn't do it in the show. In the comic, I liked how they approached the PTSD because she has said something along the lines of, yeah, like, sometimes my dad, uh, like, his, his, his mind goes elsewhere. And, and they show the dad, like, hiding underneath a table or something. And I don't, it, it seems like he doesn't know that that's his daughter. But he's, like, he's still speaking to her, telling her what's going on. And that's, that's very heavy for a child to have to go through. But... I think it's a more realistic depiction of PTSD. And I felt like, to me, it felt like these, these people who wrote the, the show, clearly they have no idea what PTSD is. Um, and they didn't really tackle it head on. And it really bothered me, especially the fact that we learned that he was in the military. And I feel like it was a missed opportunity to have a good discussion about what PTSD is, what it looks like, how to help people, you know, if they can cope what you should what you should and shouldn't be doing and they didn't show that and it really bothered me since it was already in the comic um now i read i had read an article where the show was more so pressing a female a female version of stranger things and i definitely got those vibes from it but my thing is why do we need to mimic another uh show or movie and the the show very heavily pulls from 80s you know, pop culture references, like even the very beginning opening shot, it's Sid running down the street covered in blood. And clearly that's a reference to Carrie. She's a teenage girl with powers and has no idea how to control herself. It is directly from Carrie, uh, which I had no problem with at the, at, the, at the time. It's okay. But I feel like the show had so much potential and they didn't, they didn't let it breathe enough. I think they micromanage small things that didn't really need to be micromanaged but um yeah so when the mom's telling Sid Sid's kind of realizing oh shit dad probably had powers like mine it just it just it just matched too well so in Sid's mind she's like okay this consumed him so much and he couldn't control it that he he had to kill himself because he felt like there was this heavy presence or the shadow following him the same thing that Sid was feeling the same thing that Sid saw um, so yeah, so it's homecoming time. Stanley had asked Sid to go. Sid did say yes originally, but her and Sid, her and Stanley had this like falling out. So Stan and she's pushing him away. So Stan asks another girl to the to the homecoming dance that they went together, and Sid and Dina go together. And um, at the homecoming dance, it's great at the beginning, right? You know, her and Dina are having a good time. She even talks to Stanley. Things are going pretty well for her. You know, she dresses up, feels good about herself. It's it's a really nice scene. And then they announce homecoming king and queen. Everybody's cheering. And then Brad, the fucking asshole that he is, he comes on stage and he's just talking blah, blah, blah. And he, he singles out Sydney. 
And uh, Sydney's like, okay. And so he's talking about her, and then he pulls out from his jacket her journal, you know, and he's just like, y'all don't really know about this girl. And Sydney's like, oh shit, because in her journal, she wrote about thinking that she's in love with Dina, her first time with Stanley, thinking she has superpowers. And Stan's just saying all this business out loud from about her from her diary that he had read or read, that he had stolen read. And she's very shocked. And as he's just berating her with all this information to the whole entire school, um, she gets so pent up with frustration. We hear the voice of her saying, just shut up, shut up, shut up. And she doesn't walk away. She doesn't run away. It's like she's frozen in fear. It's fight, it's, it's fight flight, or freeze and she definitely freezes however this girl has this very strong power inside her so before uh brad can say that she has powers you know which let's be realistic if brad says that she has superpowers no one's gonna believe him it's like okay brad like everybody thinks they have powers Ooh, like whatever and it would have just been like that she could have laughed it off it wouldn't have been a big deal but She's so pent up of frustration and anger, and she doesn't like Brad already that she pops his head. And it's just in the middle of the dance. A lot of people are covered in blood. Everybody is screaming, runs off. Uh, Dina, yeah, that's her ex boyfriend, but that's still someone that she used to be with and care for. She's surprised. She's there. She kind of drops down to the floor in shock, like touching, like, oh my God, like, you know, Brad's gone. Stanley is shocked, but Stanley is the only person aside from Sid that knows what possibly happened, that it had to have been Sid. And Stanley actually uh, grabs her diary that falls on the floor. I think that's to help her and cover stuff up for her. But Sid just bolts. Sid bolts. She goes, she walks all the way home. She walks uh, to the tower covered in blood, uh, just kind of like, you know, thinking about what just happened. Like, oh shit, I really fucked up. And she goes to this water tower of sorts. And, um, it seemed like, you know, she was like, you know, maybe it's best if I'm just kind of like not here, or maybe she goes there to just reflect on what happens and what she should do. And while she's there at the tower, the shadow, the the, the shadow follows her and it's a, it's a man and she turns around and looks at him and, um, she's like, what are you like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? And he's just like, like now, now it begins. Like now your training begins and that's it. It ends. So it's like, okay, great, like, cool. Season two probably would have, would have been this person, whatever this person is, this man is, helping to her powers, honing her skills, helping her train, figuring shit out, how to control it, how to use it, how to protect herself and others. And we won't see that. Um, you know, season two might have been her mom finding about her powers. She had the same issues that her father had, um, you know, but we won't we won't get to see that. And I feel like, if they wanted to continue that um, narrative, it could have been done between episodes 8 to 10, where episode 8 is of her training with this guy. The whole episode 8 could be with her training with this guy and talking over a course of time. And I don't know, something with 9 and 10. And then this, you know, ending it at episode 10. And then her being like, you know... I guess I'm not such a the 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 season starts out with oh I'm just a boring seventeen year old white girl, and they could have ended it where you know I guess I'm not such a boring uh, teenage white girl. I have some kind of something that's a little bit special about me, just like you know, kind of hit the nail on the head, and end the season. But uh, sadly, it didn't. Um, 
I would rate the show out of 10. I'd give it a, I'd give it an 8 or a 7. I really enjoyed it. I liked the writing. I liked the characters. I liked how they showcased the powers. Very Carrie-esque. I liked, I liked the build. However, I just feel like if they would have made it a complete uh, start-to-finish series, it would have been fine. Just with the one season if they wanted to. Or like I said, a movie. Um, I feel like they they just did those actors a disservice by not letting them finish the story that they started to tell. I think that they should have been true to the source material and just finished it. Like the the comic is a quick, I mean, quick read, and in the comic, she uh, she does end up killing Brad, but with a brain aneurysm of sorts, not popping his head like that. And the only person that knows she did it is a friend of Brad's because she did it in front of his friend. And um, after that, you know, she feels that she is a, you know, a problem for herself and others. She's not safe around her family. She's worried about hurting the people that she cares about. And she goes to the water tower and she pops her own head off. She explodes her own head and she kills herself. And that's it. Um, instead, of the, instead of what had happened. So, yeah, it's just... It's unfortunate the show ended. I really enjoyed it. Um, it just sucked watching it knowing, oh, this is it. There won't be any more after it. Maybe it will end pretty decently. And it, it didn't end decently because it ended, ended on a cliffhanger. A cliche cliffhanger at that. Um, this is like the feeling I had with Archive 81. Except when I watched Archive 81, I didn't know until I finished it. There would not be a season two. And I finished Archive 81. I was like, oh, man. That was great because I've been complaining about I want a sci-fi movie, a sci-fi show starring a black person or multiple black people or multiple people that are of, of, of color. They're not white. Um, I need I need melanin in my sci-fi. Um, that's not Star Trek because I know that the new Star Trek, there was a Star Trek Discovery. I know that they have a, an array of different people, but Star Trek is not the only sci-fi thing out there. And I love Star Trek. Um, and I thought that I thought we had an arc of eighty one. It was very different. It was unique. We had some pretty cool, interesting characters, and Netflix canceled it. Which I'm like, Netflix, if you are listening to this ever, uh, what the fuck? You know, give 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 me a this gave me some good. This, I want a good sci fi with uh heavy a uh, heavy uh characters that are melanated. I, I think it's beyond time that to happen i want to see i want to see people in space i want complex storylines i want action i want explosions i want good exposition and plot and and good dialogue i want that i want that you know so i feel like the the market is so saturated with bullshit that if you just take the time to make these decent characters and a good a good storyline you can break through and be that be that movie or show that stands out that stands out more. Alrighty, folks, it is time for the IMD fun facts about I am not okay with this. So let's go ahead and kick it off. So this, like I said, is based on the graphic novel written written and illustrated by Charles S. Forsman. Uh, the show was filmed in and around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, like I said earlier, sitting walking down the street in a dress covered in blood is an homage to Stephen King's Carrie that came out in 1976. After the show's cancellation, writer and director Jonathan Entwistle 
whistle was tell suggested to continue the story in the form of a novel which yeah that's awesome and stuff but if i'm watching a tv show i don't want to read a novel after it i want to continue to watch a tv show why would you cancel in the first place the show came out february 26 2020 and in august of 2020 netflix officially announced the show was canceled Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Papa Reels. I'll be uh, posting some more episodes. Uh, could be right after this one. It could be tomorrow. It could be in a week. Um, I will say I probably will be posting from now on maybe an episode or two a month just because I am very busy with my uh, food business. It's a lot of uh, work. A lot of, uh, a lot of work as I am doing it by myself. Uh, so that's a lot. But yeah, I will, you know, post as, as much as I can about movies and, movies and shows that I'm inter- interested in. It may not always be these brand new movies like the new Jurassic. I'm still teeter-tottering if I want to watch it. I've heard uh, not the best things, but I am a Jurassic fan. So I do want to see it just so I know what's going on story-wise. I do want to see the new Top Gun. I just haven't had time to go see it. But because Miles Teller is in it, oh, and I love Miles, Te- Miles Teller, um, I really do want to see that and, and I think I will enjoy it. I do want to see some action and some really awesome uh, pilot scenes. But yeah, uh, stay tuned and I'll see you next time.